Hello, and welcome to the Beyond Borders podcast, the podcast that explores topics related to international trade. This podcast is brought to you by Buckland. For over 70 years, Buckland has been working to help companies across the world experience global trade in a better way. As a customer-focused company, we provide you with a single source of unmatched customs brokerage, trade-managed solutions, freight forwarding, trade technologies, and warehousing and distribution services. I'm your host, Jenny Kaus, Corporate Marketing Manager at Buckland, and today we are sharing a special initiative that has recently been undertaken at Buckland in response to COVID-19 to support our team members. In the spring, Buckland launched the Only at Buckland Mental Health and Wellness Lecture Series, consisting of four sessions over four weeks in April and May, featuring Jennifer Harkness. Jennifer is a psychotherapist and owner of counseling and art therapy practice called Courageous Heart Healing. Now that it is August, Jennifer has returned to provide an update now that we are another four months into the pandemic on the topic of how to cope with constant change. We found these sessions with Jennifer to be incredibly insightful and useful, so we're sharing them with the hope that they're helpful for others as well. If you would like to access the slides or resources from this presentation, please refer to the show notes from this episode. I'll now turn it over to Jennifer with the audio from her presentation from our recent company Zoom call, and I hope that you'll benefit from her impactful message. So excited to be with all of you again today and and, um, talking about the psychological safety because that that really is key at home and at work these days. Um, We are in month six now. I was thinking that, you know, the the previous talks and it's, it's been... In some ways, it feels like no time. In some ways, it feels like 500 years. <laughs> so that is that is definitely uh, part of the experience right now. So we've been coping with constant change for six months. As Shirley just said, we're in this together. It's really important that we build community and, and build safety in our community to cope with all the changes. As we already have seen in six months, the world's changing and rapidly, and we still don't know exactly what it's going to look like in the next six months. In the previous talks, um, I, I want to refer back to those because those are always a recorded resource for all of you. So the first one, we just talked about the neurobiology of stress and coping skills. Um, the second one, we talked about relationships and mental health in a crisis. I go over uh, anxiety and depression uh, and addictions a little more thoroughly in that talk if you want to go back and review. We talked about productivity and a time of collective trauma. Uh, psychological safety in a, in a global pandemic, and then today is how to cope with the constant change. So this talk, um, in the previous, the last talk, I went over the um, SAMHSA uh, information um, on the predictions for mental health in, in the pandemic. We're going to go over the new data. Uh, we're going to talk about how to cope We're going to talk about our risk levels in this and how to communicate boundaries and relating with each other differently and just further cultivating resiliency and what that is. So again, it's really important to have realistic expectations in all of this. Um, The data really is telling us that we are in this for the next two to five years in one way or another. 
So, um, you know, I've, I feel like a little bit of a Debbie Downer saying that, but all the research is, is telling us that we need to be informed as much as possible and, you know, try to bolster ourselves for this. Uh, like Shirley said, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So the world's changing in ways we can't predict it's really normal to go through a lot of ups and downs. I know that for me, a lot of times, you know, people say, how are you doing today? And it's almost like you always have to give a precursor, like, okay, considering, you know, like every day for six months, um, we've been on a bit of a roller coaster and it's almost hour by hour sometimes, like one hour, you're like, oh, I can handle this. It seems almost normal-ish the next hour, right? You're angry or you're sad or upset in some way, um, no energy, all those things up and down, very, very normal. So as I said, you know, we need to bolster our community um, and our healthy self-care routines and really ask for help when you need it. Everybody needs help at, at different different ways at different times during this. So always ask for help. Know, know who your people are. Um, and just know that everybody's in the same same boat, right? It's It's not just... Uh, you going through this, it's everybody going through it. And that's another way we can bond through this experience. So oxygen, oxygen mask on you first, always, right? So take care of yourself, take care of your marriage. If you're partnered, take care of your kids, your family and friends and your work, right? I know a lot of us tend to put work first and actually to perform well at work, we need to have the other pieces in place. So always be prioritizing um, in that, that direction. Again, you know, we're pack animals, belonging and survival. Um, we, we need each other to feel regulated and calm and safe, and we need each other uh, to have really good communication, and we'll talk more about that in this talk. Um, going back to the previous talks and um, the upcoming trainings, you know, psychological safety, just to review that, is when we are able to take risks, give opinions, show up, uh, in, in whatever way that's authentic with our ideas um, and feelings and be able to have that received without any kind of repercussions to our character, uh, our job, our positions, our roles, that sort of thing. So it's really um, a lot of it is that growth mindset thing of like being able to make mistakes together and support each other in mistakes too. We're going to make a ton of mistakes in life. We're all of us can review. We've all made a lot of mistakes and learned from them. And how do we collectively as a community support each other in doing that? Because we're going to have a lot of trial and error as we figure out the new normal. Um, active listening, right? We went over that before. That's really just call and response. And there's a lot of techniques to that. Transparent communication. Um, you know, like Shirley just modeled that at the beginning of the talk, right? Like acknowledging like, hey, I know y'all are overworked. I know y'all have been frustrated, you know, especially if you're in leadership roles, which in a way, everybody's in a leadership role in their in their own position, um, being able to be clear about what's going on so we can look at what the problems are clearly to build uh, new solutions. Accountability. How, how do we have accountability in our lives? And, this, and again, this is at home, too. Um, how do we talk about accountability? And then team cohesion, right, is... Um, you know, all the, all the things that were in the survey, like dependability of work and impact of work and, um, and those things. And it's really about, you know, how we are working together as a team and what their, those components are. So again, long road ahead, estimate two to five years of um, lots of changing terrain. Um, there's going to be heightened mental health issues. And, you know, here's the thing. There's a lot of opportunity um, for possibility. So as I talked about in, in the previous talks, 
one thing we can do is daydream, you know, what's been working, what hasn't been working and what do we, what's the world we want to create? What's the company you want to create? What's the life you want to create? So these, these are the possible wave scenarios. Again, they originally come from SAMHSA. I pulled them from the Washington Department of Health. Um, and I, I just put the same screen on the next three shots, but I'm going to uh, explain them. So scenario one is basically peaks and valleys. And this means that we are going to, for the next two to five years, we're going to be seeing like fluctuations of, you know, up and down, right, of, of uh, COVID-19 uh, having outbreaks and needing to, you know, restrict, uh, you know, lockdowns and that sort of thing. Um, this is the most likely uh, scenario for the U.S. in particular because we um, are not having a cohesive plan on how to um, mitigate the, the COVID-19 response. So, you know, city, states all are doing different things. So um, we're probably going to have like a patchwork quilt type of scenario where it's just going to spike all over, um, off and on for the next uh, couple of years until we get a vaccine. The next scenario is that we'll have a really big spike in the fall, right? Um, and that part of that, and we'll talk about this in a minute, is is because of the way the virus transmits and um, you know being indoors together. Uh, it's it's really transmitted through air more than anything else, and so um, this one would be like another big spike in the fall, and then going down to smaller spikes again, probably most likely uh, in places like the, the states. The third one is in countries um, like Canada and different places that are having a little bit more cohesive protocol would, would be, there's still going to be waves, but they're going to be smaller. They're not going to be as big as spikes. But, you know, even like places like uh, Germany, for instance, that did really good contact tracing, all that kind of stuff, um, we're really on it they still um, had to shut things down a little bit ago because they had a little bit of a spike. So, you know, again, I'm, I'm speaking to people all over the world. Vietnam just had that as well. You know, they had really gotten it down to like no cases and they went back up to 44 and they closed it down. So we're just going to see these waves until again, we hopefully get a vaccine, which there's a lot of differing um, media coming out on the vaccine. Uh, but even with trials and stuff, it's going to be a little while. So in the mental health scheme of things, um, we talked about before, you know, that there's like the, the pre-disaster and the impact event, which was March when we were all like, oh my God, you know, this is happening. Um, we're, we're shutting things down. Um, then you kind of go into this heroic response and the honeymoon of it of kind of like, okay, let's come together. And if you look here on the chart in Washington as of June, of course, we're in August now, we're on that downward slide of disillusionment. So disillusionment, there's like varying trigger events. Um, and it's really the realization that things are not going back to the way that they originally were. And I'm seeing that definitely in my caseload uh, of differing ages and backgrounds of people saying, oh my gosh, like this, this really has changed. Um, and so there's a lot of grief that comes with that. There's depression, anxiety, uh, addictions um, coming up more. We've been kind of in the acting out period. And I've seen that this summer um, acting out, I think has looked a lot like people not wanting to wear masks or I, I live near a beach and big beach parties, people getting together and just being like, I don't care. Um, teens sneaking out in the middle of the night to go see their friends, stuff like that. I've seen a lot of 
those kinds of scenarios going on um, as people are trying to cope. Um, and then as we get into fall, again, depression and anxiety rates will go up and, and addictions will probably spike. Um, suicide rates might go up as well. So again, you know, we're going to talk a little bit today about how to look for those symptoms and resource for them. And in talk to, there's a lot of resources in the handout for that as well that I encourage you to look at. Um, then at, at the year mark, we'll come up on the anniversary. And again, we're going to start building something new. Um, oh, I got ahead of myself uh, with that. So this kind of just goes over some more of what I, what I just said. I want to emphasize this. Um, most people are going to come out of this okay, just fine, right? It's going to be stressful. We're going to write it together. But PTSD rates off of disaster response data is really only about 4 to 6% of the population come out with, like, ongoing symptoms um, from, from the initial impact and fallout. So, you know, and in, in what mitigates that response, again, is resilience. And a big part of resilience, I can't emphasize this enough, is community, is knowing who your people are and, and having that kind of safety, which is why I really admire Buckland for, you know, doing these talks and taking on the psychological survey and the trainings, because that is going to bolster you not only, by the way, at, at work, but at home and just in your life. So again, we, we just expect ups and downs. You know, I, I put out a, a thing on my personal Facebook and I was, I was like, uh, is anybody else just like freaking out one or two days a week at least, you know? <laughs> and I had a ton of comments of people saying, yes, me, you know, raising my hand. And then quite a few people were like, just one or two days, you know? <laughs> it's definitely a roller coaster. So if you've been experiencing that, that's totally normal. We're still seeing like, you know, changes in sleep, appetite, um, tension responses, a lot of headaches, stomach aches, those sorts of things. You're our bodies, whether we're fully registering it or not, are under that allostatic load, that constant stress of uncertainty. So our bodies are really working hard. Our brains are working hard to cope with this, um, again, even if it's not explicit. So fatigue is also a really a big, big thing, um, particularly hearing people saying like that they feel anxious and tired at the same time, um, which is a, a difficult experience. Um, depression rates uh, increasing for sure. Um, again, seeing the substance abuse and, and irritation and aggressive behavior. Uh, I'm sure. Can you guys hear me okay? Is it cutting out? Okay. Um, I was hearing weird feedback. Um, a lot of irritation. And this is social media. I'm sure anybody that's on social media is noticing that. There's a lot of divisiveness, a lot of arguing, um, a lot of contention, that sort of thing. Uh, I really do see that as a symptom of stress. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. So again, anxiety, you know, is really hyper arousal. It's your nervous system going into like fight or flee and you're getting a lot of um, adrenaline and stress hormones in your body. And I'm seeing that as things open back up, right? It's, at first it was like, oh my gosh, this is happening and we're closing things down. And now I'm seeing more like people are stressed about um, you know, okay, it's open back up, but what does this mean? Do I go out to dinner with my friends? Do I send my kids to school? Like, how do I cope with this? So a big part of how to, how to cope with that is, is going to be how to communicate your risk to your needs and family and resource. Um, and we're going to explicitly talk about that. And just naming the unknown. I mean, at least once a day, I'm like, right, we're in a pandemic and nobody really knows what's going on. And that's part of the terrain that, that we're in right now. 
A lot of anxiety over concern for others. I know, especially as the holidays are coming, I'm already hearing people talk about, oh my gosh, like I can't go across the country to see my grandma this year. And I'm worried about her and, you know, those kinds of dynamics happening and just not getting social needs met, especially, oh my gosh, I feel like this is so hard for the kiddos, right? Because children need a lot of social interaction for development. They need, um, a lot of novelty and new experiences to look forward to. That's just a big part of, uh, their growth and development and they're not getting that met. So it's very, very hard on them right now, which also leads to depression, which is hypoarousal, right? And that's when your system's kind of locking up. It's freeze or faint responses, fatigue, apathy, lack of motivation. Um, again, things aren't going back to the way they are. I'm, I'm not, um, somebody told me, uh, that their motto for the pandemic is, um, uh, I'm not getting anything I want or expected, <laughs> you know, this entire thing, no graduations, you know, all those things. So there's a lot of, uh, grief and loss in all of this and overwhelm. Now, anxiety and depression, I want to be clear there, depression is a word we use a lot and we kind of misuse it for just sad or having like a low day or something. Um, if it's clinical depression, it's more consistent for like two weeks, right? So we're all going up and down with anxiety and symptoms of depression, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's clinical. But if it, if it is going on consistently or cyclically for, you know, I'd say three to five days in a row, or if it's been going on for two weeks, it's definitely time to go reach out for help. So again, name it. Why do we name it? Because The brain needs to have a structure, a framework to understand its experiences, and doing that actually impacts how you feel about it. So just naming ongoing that this pandemic is hard is important, even though, you know, I don't know about you, I get sick of even just saying like, oh, I hate pandemics, but I know that that's actually an important part of the process. So I'm not projecting that um, anxiety out onto other things. So be kind to each other. Have compassion. Compassion is it's really about understanding other people's experiences. Um, it's about feeling, uh, empathy is about feeling with people, understanding uh, how they might be feeling to the best of your ability, connection, communication. I think, you know, Brené Brown has a great uh, talk podcast. She's got a great podcast in general, but one of her podcasts was on shame. And she talked about the divisiveness going on in the culture of like, to mask or not to mask or different uh, views on how to handle the pandemic. And one of the things she said is that, you know, shame is not a great tool for social change. So we, we need to, even if we disagree with people, um, compassion has boundaries in it, but we, we need to be understanding maybe what the needs are behind that for people. And we're going to talk about this um, in the talk, but, but just really want to emphasize be kind because everybody's really struggling. So avoid, avoid judgment, right? It's hard on everybody. Um, people are starting to crises in different ways. Um, kind of going into that uh, judgment and shame is not going to change any minds anyway. We need to learn how to listen to one another. Moms, you know, um, this applies to dads as well, but the research is pretty clear that um, women tend to do more of the emotional mental labor in the homes. And so there's been a lot of good media out there talking about the struggle of working moms right now. It's really hard to work at home and have the kids at home and and trying to support them in this, get them enough uh, stimulation activities if people are homeschooling. 
Um, so moms are getting really hit hard. So um, we definitely need to um, reach out to moms. Hey, you need any support? You need any help? You know, if you have availability to check in, check in. Um, as schools open back up, this is one of those things. Don't shame the moms. Don't judge them. There's no easy uh, choice in this. That uh, you know, excuse my language. It's damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right? Like, there's no easy choices of sending your kids to school or having them at home or doing pod schools or you know, community schools with neighborhoods. There's they're all hard choices. So um, please, you know, just try to be kind to each other and the choices that people are making. They're they're doing the best they can for their families. Why masks? Okay. You know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, more of a social scientist than a scientist scientist, but, um, the research is pretty clear that, you know, the mass, the way this is transmitted, you're, you're not likely probably going to get it from, uh, contact, like touching things. Um, you could, but it's pretty low. If you, um, touch something with like actual fluid on it and like go right to your face, you could get it. But it's not like if you go to the grocery store and, and buy some, you know, juice and then drink it, you're not probably going to gonna get uh, COVID. It's more about saturation time and being around people um, breathing in the same air. So even if somebody had COVID and you had one breath of air, again, you could get it, but probably not. It's more about saturation rate. And that's why we need to wear masks. And um, just in the last, I think, week or two, there was a study down in California, I think it was, where they were talking about what kind of mask, right? So if you're wearing your own, they're talking about triple layer cotton is the best kind of mask unless you can get um, an N95 or a medical mask. So that's why we wear masks right, is to, and it's not even necessarily to protect ourselves, it's actually to protect other people. So because there's, I think they said 40% of people uh, with COVID don't show symptoms. So it's very easy to spread that way. So you're wearing masks uh, to protect, you know, your community members. Um, why social distancing? The same thing, right? It's just all about, you know, that saturation time and the, the size of the droplets that come out when you breathe or you speak. So look into the science, understand your risk level, right? There, the science, when we first started these packs, we weren't sure how it was transmitted. We're much clearer now. So know your risk, know the policies in your companies, your schools, your communities, the stores. Um, I know that there's varying policies out there. Um, some places in Seattle will not let you in if you don't have a mask and some people are not doing it at all. So it, it, it varies and just you want to be um, look out for what the policies are. So within that, know your risk tolerance. Um, so very strict risk tolerance, right, is no contact with anybody. And I definitely know people who are, you know, autoimmune challenged, uh, have their high risk that are still at home. They're, they're really doing very little contact uh, out there to keep themselves safe. So level one is strict. So just like essentials only, you're just going to the grocery store, um, home essentials, that's it. Uh, fairly strict. Uh, this is where I'm, I'm in between a two and a three currently is, uh, you know, you wear your mask and all of the, the strict essentials only is mask on too. Uh, number two is like fairly strict. You have your mask on, you're socially distancing, um, you're doing your essentials and you're, you're hanging out with friends, um, you know, outdoors only, right? Uh, somewhat open, same thing, only that you're doing some indoor outdoor. 
actually I'm a two because I'm not hanging out with anybody indoors. That's too much for me, too much anxiety for, for Jen. And again, this is where you need to know your risk level. You need to know what, what your lines and boundaries are. Um, four, moderately open, right? So sometimes you're not wearing a mask and you're um, indoors and outdoors with people and very open is just no precautions at all. And definitely I, I know of people like that that are just like, I don't care. I don't want to do it, right? Um, so this is where it gets complicated, right? So I'm a two, right? And I have a lot of anxiety around um, illness and that sort of thing. And, and I have health issues. So I want to keep safe. So I need to know that about myself. I need to communicate with my loved ones that risk level. I need to ask them what their risk level is. How are they interacting out in the world? Um, and then make requests around that um, based off of the needs. Um, and again, giving empathy for any conflict or feelings that come up around this. And, and it's, it's likely to happen. I've had it happen a couple of times. Let me give some examples. Um, and stick to your plan. It's not personal. This is, this is really about health. So it's, it's your body and your life and your needs. Um, so respect that. But it can really be really, really hard. A big topic in sessions is how do I talk to friends and family members about this? Um, you know, I, I have some friends that are pretty much like green and they're like, yeah, I'm fine. I don't really care. I can hang out with whoever. Sometimes I wear a mask, sometimes I don't. Um, but they have said to me, like, I'm not, I'm not concerned, but I totally understand, um, your request to not hang out with me because I'm, I'm in the green level and you're in the two level, right? So if, if you're open and you have friends or family that are, are needing more safety, you can, communicate to them. I respect that. And, um, I'm bummed we can't hang out, but I get it. Um, another thing is, and this is, this is kind of my, my personal, um, you know, request is like, I do have great concern about this and I don't want to take chances for my health or others. And so I'm going to be sticking to minimal interaction and only seeing people outside distance with masks. So really what I'm requesting is a need for safety. Right. And, and telling my friends and loved ones that um, some people, right, um, have a real need for connection. I had a friend tell me that uh, they were like, you know what, my stress levels and my health is really impacted by being indoors and not hanging out with people and being social. And so I am going to go and date and meet new people and do things for my mental and physical health. And I have a different risk tolerance. And so I know that's going to impact our friendship, right? Um, but that's an example of healthy communication around why, you know, uh, my friend is, is just at a different place in their risk tolerance. Um, you know, another thing is just to express your feelings. I'm sad we can't connect like we used to, which is basically what I, for example, told my friend that was dating. I was like, you know, we can hang out outside very distant, but other than that, like I, I can't hang out with you because you're at a different risk level and I, I can't put myself in that situation. And I'm sad that we can't connect like we used to. And then, you know, we do Zoom and we get creative, you know, and that's the whole Actually, pandemic. I think we've all been experiencing that. Is, what the heck? How are you? <laughs> oh, I think somebody's mic's on. <laughs> I hear a little. <laughs> Um, so pandemic, right? I mean, you know, dogs, kids, all this stuff. Um, so, um, yeah, just communicating to each other about what's going on, um, and getting creative on how we connect is really important. 
So the greater the risk aversion, the more need for safety and understanding. Uh, if you're not risk averse, and again, notice how in my languaging, I'm not judging people. I'm not saying to my friend, like, you know, what are you doing? Like, you shouldn't be dating. I'm not doing that sort of thing. Um, if I am curious about it, I'll ask, wow, you know, why are you making that decision? I'm curious. Um, I'm concerned about your risk. Um, and in this example, my friend said, hey, it's actually impacting me more to be at home. And so I can understand that. That's important to to look into. Everyone's doing the best they can. So as we come to um, the last little bit of this, uh, we want to really celebrate the wins, right? We want to focus on any small positives that we have, give lots of appreciation to one another. Um, you know, it's, it's a habit to get into for yourself and others and even giving yourself props, right? You know, give yourself uh, appreciation for like, wow, you know, I went for a walk today. Good job. You know, that kind of stuff. It seems silly, but it really is part of um, how your nervous system regulates and creates connection with yourself and others. So increase your connection. And this is where we, we want to be creative about that. So there's, you know, all kinds of online platforms as the weather's nice. Um, of course, there's lots of outdoor things that, that we can do. Um, I got a, a second paddle board so I could go paddle boarding with some of my friends because that's a natural six foot, you know, extension. So it was like, oh, great. I can see some people and we're far away and it's safe and we can do something fun. I think it will be a little more challenging in the winter when we're indoors and trying to figure out how to do that. Um, but again, we want to, we really want to reach out to friends and family and, and just on a regular basis and keep connecting. That'll help everybody. Create a sense of purpose. And these are all ways to build resiliency. Um, you know, having altruism, having some kind of meaning in your life, volunteering, there's so much need out there right now. Um, you know, creating things, uh, doing problem solving, you know, just looking around in your, in your area. Um, you know, I think from the previous talks, everybody knows I love to sail. So, um, I got involved with an organization to do social distance sailing, right? You know, it's another way to create community and connect and that sort of thing and some fun. So I'm giving fun examples too, because I think for a lot of us, we're missing fun right now. And that's very important, especially if you have kids at home, um, so again, trying to be safe about it, but also, you know, how do we problem solve these things that are coming up and be part of the solution? Cultivate hope, daydream of the world you want, see where the avenues that you can start to make that happen. And really, you know, I want to emphasize the interpersonal because every single interaction we have through the day with people is an opportunity to create connection and to create health in our lives. Right. Um, I think Pauline gave me a great quote, uh, I think last week where it was like, uh, you, you want to leave every, every situation better than you found it. Right. That's, that's a great thing to, to look at. So trying to see, um, how we can implement that in our lives and look for the helpers. Right. You know, I think again, online, a lot of people are getting burnt out. I really suggest taking social media breaks, um, or filtering your news, that sort of thing. So you're not so bombarded with information all the time, but look for the people that are out there trying to help and trying to create um, health in a better world. This whole pandemic is challenging because it's a both and. It's kind of back to that damned if you do, damned if you don't. It's holding emotional plurality, meaning that I can go sailing, right? And I can be like, yeah, this is so fun and beautiful and feel sad that we're in a pandemic, 
and feel stressed about that going on at the same time. So real mental health is when people can hold duality. They can hold it both and that you can have a great day and have a challenge or have a really, really bad day. Let's say, you know, it's a horrible, stressful, no good day. And you can say, wow, this cup of coffee is delicious. And that's a both and, right? That's happening all of the time. So getting our brains to acknowledge that and our hearts to be flexible with it so we can be with that experience is, is actually going to help us out a lot. We tend to um, compartmentalize, put things in little boxes a lot. But with the pandemic going on, I don't know if you all have noticed that, but that's really hard to compartmentalize right now, you know, because it's, it's just in our faces all the time. So as, as the last talk, I, I did a handout. Um, so, you know, hopefully that is uh, helpful for you. There's some good self-reflective questions in there. Um, you know, this is an opportunity to do a lot of, you know, inventory and prioritizing in our lives. Um, and definitely if you're curious about more of the uh, mental health end of things and, you know, gosh, I think, you know, my, my aunt is getting depressed and what do I do in, in the handout from talk Two, there's lots of links to resources of, um, different, uh, you know, mental health and therapy outlets and stuff, uh, both in the U S and Canada. And that concludes the How to Cope with Constant Change session from the Only at Buckland Mental Health and Wellness Lecture Series on the Beyond Borders podcast for today. Our sincere thank you to Jennifer Harkness for sharing your wisdom and resources with us. If you have any questions, please reach out at marketing at buckland.com or check the show notes for resources. If you are looking for more resources related to international trade, check out buckland.com and click on the learning section across the top of the website. Here, you'll find a range of resources, including learning guides, webinars, and podcasts. Our downloadable learning guides include IncoTerms charts, common trade terminology, how to avoid border delays, and many more. We also have a whole host of on-demand webinars available on our website, available for instant download. So check those out to access free and informative presentations today. The best way to keep up to date on all of these resources is through our weekly newsletter. We send out a newsletter every single Wednesday containing our latest resources, as well as a roundup of the latest trade news delivered right to your inbox. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us through our website's contact us page, through Twitter, where our handle is at Buckland Tweets, or on our LinkedIn company page, or on Instagram, where our handle is at Buckland Insta. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Borders podcast, and be sure to tune in again and subscribe for more great conversations about importing, exporting, and everything else in the world of logistics and international trade.